I went hiking. Somebody stole my car. It was crashed into the gate of a mansion. I had to get the insurance. The insurance wouldn't pay for it. I had to talk to a lawyer. The lawyer says, you need to read this book. I read the book. I meet the author the next day. And I'm like, I want to build a mobile application that does exactly that, that knows you are in a really difficult moment in your life and says that this is the book that you need to read. This is the message that you need to read. This is what you need right now, right this moment, so you can make the right decisions and go in the right direction. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell, and welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Speaking of love, I got to share some love for something that I use on a regular basis, which might be a little further on the spectrum. If you're someone that's very professional and you want things to be very predictable, scientific, accurate, and you know, there is some validity to following this, but sometimes we have a little voice inside us that wants to be heard, that wants to understand, and you might call it intuition. You might be looking for external guidance. Now, there's some of you who might be big believers in astrology. There might be some people who are a fan of human design. I'm a fan of all of it. And a tool that I use is actually numerology. And there's this website that I've been frequenting for such a long time, and I'm such a big fan of it called Teledipity. Yes, it's a beautiful name that might be hard to spell. But what happens is that this place gives me an assessment based on numerology about what's going on in my life right now, what are the traits that are part of my life. And the best part is every single month, there is a forecast of what's going on in that month for me. And if you're in sales, if you're in business, a lot of times you're trying to make sense of a lot of unknowns. And when I go to this website, there's always some powerful prompts that give me some guidance on where I should be aligning myself and what I could do better, what I should pay attention to. And I find that this is an awareness that is so powerful to allow me to drive forward in the direction that I want more powerfully and more confidently. And to make sense, of course, of all these variables that happen into your life. Well, today, I am bringing the founder and CEO of Teledipity, Andrew Gabalich, who is actually going to come here not only to talk to us about his platform and how numerology works, but how the business of him launching this all started. It's a fascinating journey. I'm so excited about how does he attract people? How does he get them to become premium members? What are the other services that are offered? And why is this nine-year cycle numerology system so accurate at making sure that it gives you the guidance that you need to hear in the moment that you hear it? Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jason. Love to be here. Andrew, first off, thank you. I was just telling you off the air that it's a tool that I use regularly. I refer so many friends to it, and it's such a pleasure to be able to have you on the show and have all my listeners get to be exposed to what teledipity is so they can maybe use it for themselves when growing their business. But could you give us kind of a background as far as what is numerology and what it is not so people can understand what we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you were introducing it well when you're separating it from a system that would have evidence or like scientific research behind it or anything else. Because what I usually call it, and I personally am uncomfortable when it's mixed in with anything scientific, is it's a spiritual system. It's not a religion. It's a spiritual system. It's been around nobody knows how long. It's sometimes associated with Pythagoras, because he was a very spiritual mathematician and he had a school about the vibration of numbers and 
we think that it came from him. But the truth is, is that nobody knows. It's been around for centuries. There's books about it in the 1800s. There's books about it in the 1920s. There's books about it in the 1970s. But there is no real known source. What we know is that there have been numerology systems with the Chaldeans in Babylonia, with Mayans, with the Chinese, and with the Hebrew tradition as well. But there's no link between them other than they all tried to kind of decode spiritual truths through numbers. They assign a vibration to each number, and they will say that there's a meaning to the numbers in your life. Your birth date, your full name, because every letter has a position in the alphabet, and that's a mathematical position, and how those numbers in each relate to the date in which you are, or the location in which you are, or the address, the names you associate with your business, just all the numbers in your life. And when you know how to read it, for your life and others, it's kind of like reading what the universe is trying to tell you. So it rests on a spiritual belief, but it's also not very out there because it's not going to tell you the answers. It's just kind of like the reflection inducer. If you don't know what's going on and you read what numerology has to say, it helps you look at where you stand or what problems you face or what you want to do in the next year, 10 years from a different perspective. And what I love about numerology is that we're all taught to see our lives like a movie. There's three acts, there's this one through line, there's this climax, there's this hero story, and it's about one thing, one career, one relationship, one marriage. One, like It's just all encompassing. And really, a life is like a TV show. There's different seasons. Each season has a theme. There's season finales and season premieres and episodes, and that's what numerology helps us understand. You can change course. You can enjoy where you stand without thinking about the final destination all the time. You can take detours. And there's just a richness to it. So don't think about it in terms of what's my life purpose, but like what am I doing now and what's like what does this mean in the larger story? So it just helps you think about your life differently in a lot of different ways. I love that. And it's so rich in the way that you explain it to make sense of it. And I love that you've made sure that it's not something that's like, it is science. It's like, it's a spiritual system. And when you use it that way, it really gives it the purpose of what it serves. At least in my life, it's just like, it's an inner prompting of powerful questions. You know, it's uh, Lisa Nichols, who's one of our authors at Mind Valley, or I shouldn't say ours because I'm not part of Mind Valley anymore, but she is an author at Mind Valley. She talks about the quality of your life actually comes from the quality of your questions. And every time I get to read my forecast and go into this, it makes me ask the most powerful questions that put me on track. And you would be aware of this, Andrew, but I am on my year eight towards the end of it. And so a ton of stuff has been happening and everything's been lining up into a new beginning. And to me, it's been so reassuring and fun to see that this has been timing with the fact that everything's moving towards my selling with love. The book is coming out. The podcast has been renamed. And a lot of my prompts have come from Teladip reassuring me that, hey, I think I'm on the right path. This makes a lot of sense. Now, I wanted to put a pause on this. And by the way, if you are listening to this and you have all the curiosities about what this teledipity is, I just want to make a plug right now because it is so much fun and I recommend it to all my friends. You can get an account set up for absolutely free. There is a link in the show notes where you can create your account, get your forecast, get your predictions, get your assessment. Just do it. It's so fun to be able to read through and get some more powerful questions about who you are and where you're going. You go to teledipity.com and I think we need to spell it out. Would you take a moment, Andrew, to spell it out for us? T-E-L-D-I-P-I-T-Y. 
It's like serendipity with Telly. Great. So when you go to teledipity.com, you can actually set your profile for free. It's super fun. And I'll be curious to see how it helps you get the clarity you want. But I want to switch over now to the business of it. So a lot of people they are out there, they're trying to find their passion. They're trying to find what is the one thing that they want to create for their purpose or a business they want to start. And I'd love to ask you, like, how did you find out that teledipity is the thing that you want to build? Was it you always knew? How were you discovering it? I'd be very curious to hear more. It's a story with many chapters. I'm going to try to summarize it. Early on in life, my grandmother was into everything connected with this stuff, astrology, numerology, everything else. And I had a deep connection with her. So I was curious and she would tell me some things. There's that root there. But then I kind of dropped that stuff. And it was in my 20s, right out of college. I was trying to be a screenwriter. I went to film school in Los Angeles the crisis hits, it's 2010, there's no jobs for even my engineering friends. And I was a film school grad. So there was going to be no jobs for me. I was terrified. I was out of money. I'm born and raised in Mexico. But I was in LA and I didn't want to go back to Mexico. I didn't understand why at the time, but I just didn't want to do it. And I was just in a period of my life where uncertainty was just overpowering and almost paralyzing. And when you are in that state, that's when you usually reach out to a horoscope. When people are not really into that stuff and then they go in, it's usually because they are anxious about the future. I start roaming through a bunch of those sites. Most of them are useless. I end up in a place that sells content from like one very good numerologist and I start reading his stuff. And at the time he used to send emails every now and then. And I just started paying attention. And then there was this day where I had a really important choice to make, whether to continue trying to get into the film industry or go into a completely different path that I thought I didn't want at the time. It was a call center manager job that sounded boring and stupid. And I was really pressuring myself because I was saying like, am I giving up now? Or am I not committed enough to my goals? Or am I like not positive that I'll make it? All that stuff that you really just beat yourself over the head about when you're trying to consider something else than what you think you want. And I end up deciding it. And not five minutes later, an email from him arrives and says, you're taking a sharp turn. It's exactly what you need to do. It's going to work out for this or that reason. And I was just astounded by the way in which the universe just interjected in that moment to say, don't think about it anymore. This is exactly what you are supposed to do. And if you are like me, or like I'm assuming you as well, it's not just from numerology. You see signs all the time and you see there's some part of the universe that is trying to communicate you sometimes in important moments and really on any day. So I was always paying attention to that, but that moment was where I was like, I need to figure this out. What's this numerology? I need to learn more. And I became kind of like an obsessed maven of it. I bought books from all the authors, some out of print, some from the 70s, some from 1918. And I just started reading, 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 reading. And years later, I got into a startup accelerator for a different idea. I knew I wanted to start a company. I wasn't thinking that it was going to be numerology. And this is a longer story. I'm going to shorten it because I know we don't have a lot of time. I went hiking. Somebody stole my car. It was crashed into the gate of a mansion. I had to get the insurance. The insurance wouldn't pay for it. I had to talk to a lawyer. The lawyer recommends me 
says, you need to read this book. I read the book. I meet the author the next day right there in Los Angeles. And I'm like, I want to build a mobile application that does exactly that, that knows you are in a really difficult moment in your life and says that this is the book that you need to read. This is the message that you need to read. This is what you need right now, right this moment, so you can make the right decisions and go in the right direction. So I just saw this application that would do that, that would be spiritual, but really high tech and would tell you just the wisdom or the book or the coach or whatever that's appropriate for you in the moment. And then I mixed it with numerology and then I knew that that was my mission. Okay, that was an incredible story that I feel could use some unpacking, but I also know that we are limited on time and that's incredible. And there's some things that I want to pull from that nuggets of wisdom here, because for one, it seems like you're on this path where you got interested in the topic, like numerology being a topic. And then you had some time that you went deep into call it maven mode to become someone that really is knowledgeable on the topic. A lot of people I notice are trying to start businesses, but have not went through a period of becoming a maven at their craft. How important was it for you to have done that work to become so knowledgeable for the subsequent time where you then went into business building mode? There's balance, I think, because there's people that go in head first without knowing, and there's people that wait too long because they want to be experts, because they don't want to be judged. And I think both are wrong. I don't think that I necessarily had the right timing in my startup story either. But I do think if you want to teach something or if you want to bring something new into the world, that you should know your stuff and that you should be reading and always consuming new information. At the time, it was a stressful time in my life, but I made this rule. I will always listen to one audiobook a week and I've kept it since then. And I think if you're here to teach or share an expertise or bring a product that is introducing something different or new, that it is important to just dive in. But it's also important not to fall into the imposter syndrome because some people know already too much and are still scared because they think they're not ready. So I think there's, it's a balance. Yeah, I think it's just something to be aware of because I noticed that there's that imposter syndrome, it exists, but sometimes I almost see it as a kind of message from the universe saying like, hey, maybe you should be getting a bit more ready. And there's an action you can take to kind of overcome that. And then you had to start this tech, like you had this epiphany. And I know we skipped over this story, but you now had an interest in numerology. You've seen how it's helped you. And you've had moments in your life that you want to be able to help other people be able to navigate better by having the right prompts. And now you're talking about having this technology. I think there's a lot of people that are sitting and saying, hey, I'd love to maybe design an app. Maybe I have this idea that I'd love to bring with technology, but where was your experience with technology and how were you able to kind of bridge the gap from like, hey, I have an interest in numerology, but now you're developing an app. This sounds intimidating. It's curious because that job that I didn't want to take involved technology and I never thought that it would interest me, but then there I learned how to manage databases and then I became kind of a project manager for building websites and apps. I never learned how to code. I can do a little bit now, but I just became a really great project manager. I learned how to hire developers and give them instructions. And I spent almost six years doing that before doing Teledipity. So it was kind of serendipitous that that detour took me there. But it's also true that you don't need to have that story that I had in order to build an app right now. Like we were talking about with being an expert versus not being an expert, you can do anything you want. There are no limits, but 
If you are not experienced in a field, get advice. Don't be scared to read and sit down and learn. And just don't fly by the seat of your pants because that's also dangerous. But if you're open to just taking it easy and being serious about it, you can do anything. If you've never done an app and you want to do an app, you can do an app. I feel like we are in an age where the access to information is so relevant. It's just you need to care enough. I was doing a session with a challenge around selling with love. And what's beautiful about when somebody removes their blocks around sales is now you can open up your mind to saying like, yeah, I can pick up a book on sales and get better. Oh, I have struggles with closing. I can get better. Same with if somebody is getting an interest with a specific domain, like in your case, numerology, you went and picked up the entire library. And when it came to developing a website and such, again, you seem to have been nudged in the right direction by the universe and to learn about it. But for anybody else, depending on where you are, is you can just pick up a book, you can read a course, and most of it is either free or at a very low cost now. And so I think we're in a really, really good time to be able to kind of pick up anything and be able to go and get really good at it in record time. How many years have you been operating Teledipity? So it was born as kind of like a free blog, not a business in 2015. In 2018, I did my first crowdfunding campaign and turned it into a business. So it's been three and a half years as a business, six years total. Let's talk about this crowdfunding because a lot of people see this as a very exciting way to get seed capital. It's what was hard. your experience? It is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is very, very, very difficult. See, my mindset has changed since those days. I don't like using the word difficult and I just slipped there because it worked out in the end, but yeah, it's complicated. Well, let's hear it out. Would you recommend it or do you feel like there's better ways to get started? It depends on the business you're trying to do. But when I got started, I had another weird serendipity. I was like half asleep. I don't even remember the website or the guy. I just found this video online, but I remember his words perfectly and I was about to get started. And he said, build an audience first, worry about monetizing later, just build an audience. And once that's done, there will be infinite ways to just support yourself, build a business, everything else. But you just need to start with the focus. So if what you're planning to do is a little bit like what you, Jason, or I did, I think that's the best strategy. And I mean, maybe I waited too long, maybe it didn't have to be three years, but I took that message to heart. And I think it was very important, especially because the transition into monetization was complicated for me. I didn't have the mindset of selling before. I had a lot of stuff, trauma about that in my life. And doing Teledipity helped me just as a person confronting that stuff. But the transition is complicated, but it's still much easier when people appreciate you, know who you are, know your content and you're already providing value without charging for anything. Then it's just so much easier to do everything else. So I'll just wrap it up because I was asking about the crowdfunding and how good of an option it was, but what you're talking about here is actually even pre type of vehicle for monetization is really focusing on the audience first. It's funny, I've heard the exact same thing as you. I'm trying to think, is it Gary V? Is it one of these guys that I've heard or girls that I've heard around saying that quote, but it's such an important one, right? And it's also about how we're all turning ourselves into media companies. So getting more of an audience, getting attention from people just makes everything else easier. And then you looked at a way to convert to monetization. So this is where I kind of wanted to shift it. So you've did the Kickstarter or the Indiegogo. Seems like there was a bit of love hate about it as well. But I would say, what were the first things you started to do to monetize? And how was that process of trying to figure it out? 
for the first three years, I was giving so much value for free. I couldn't even come up with something to sell. I licensed a couple of products from another numerologist and I started selling readings one-on-one, -on -one, all as a thank yous for people who supported the campaign because the campaign was about building the mobile app and the mobile app vision and supporting me on that. And later through guides and just people who gave me the right feedback, I just came up with the idea for the memberships and the premium content, which is the right way to go if you have a business like mine. When you sell content, you always underestimate what it takes to fulfill your orders when it's not like a t-shirt or a mug. And that and mispricing things is the biggest problem you can have because you can come up with a great idea. And if you already have an audience, you can sell it to them. The fulfillment part is always much, much harder than you imagine it just as a vision. And you have to be careful with that part. I agree with that. And what I've done and what I advise often people is to actually have a fulfillment or a promise of something that can be highly, you know, personalized, highly touch point. You did the one-on-one -on -one readings. I'm sure you're realizing that, wow, doing one-on-one -on -one readings takes time. It takes effort, but at least there's a bit of an expiry date, right? Like you fulfill it, then you're like, ah, you're done for people that, you know, I've heard a big wave of people saying like, go membership, membership's the way to go. Well, membership usually doesn't bring as much cash up front. So it can be hard on the cash flow if you're going membership and you have a continuous commitment to fulfillment, which I have a feeling is one of the things that can be very daunting. And so I would caution people to go straight into membership because I feel there's a lot you can discover about how to serve people better when you have the one-on-ones and the more high touch point, which I know is some place that you've started as well. In figuring out your product, everybody, doesn't matter how good a business you are, everybody wants to skip this step, which is talking to your users, especially when you have them and scheduling interviews and just like figuring out what they want instead of what you think they want. If you think that that's not important and you think that you know exactly what they want and you want to skip that step, it's probably not going to turn out well. Because even if you have the right idea, they'll help you focus it and make it right. So you have to talk to at least 50 people, if not more, and then you'll know exactly what you want to do. And I even recommend don't stop talking to them. If you're the visionary, you getting in touch with the needs of your audience is some of the most important things that you can do. I know for myself, you know, I'm always trying to get on more discovery calls. I want to get more on research. And in your case, I'd be curious to know, do you have any good story about, you know, something you thought would have been a hit and then you started having conversations and you realize, oh boy, nobody wants that. Now, everything I tried to sell sold, I just didn't deliver on a couple of things afterwards, but I always made it up with other offers or just discounts or free stuff. Everything I've tried to do sold, my problem was mispricing and fulfillment. Those were my blind spots. Andrew, I want to poke at that a little bit because I feel like a lot of times, and I'm going to use myself, I've often withheld from selling things because of a fear of fulfillment and then a fear of disappointing people. I'd love to know from your experience, like, because first off, thank you for admitting that, you know, there's times you've made sales and then you realize the fulfillment either couldn't be done or was too difficult to do. How was it for you? And did you end up making it right with the people? And the reason I want to unpack that is because sometimes I feel like it's okay to sell something if you don't know how to fulfill it, but you can always make it right. So I'd love to know what experience you had. So I had a course last year. It was ambitious because instead of giving a live course, I love making audio podcasts that have narratives with them and that are like maybe lyrically written because I'm a writer and I love that stuff. So I love just like writing a really good script 
and recording it well and editing it well and just making it like a beautiful audio experience. And I sold it in three languages because I have a lot of Brazilians and a lot of Mexicans and a lot of people from all over the world in my site. And I can speak all three of them. And that was the worst mistake I ever did because if it was ambitious in one language, I don't know what part of my brain thought that I could actually deliver all three. All of those people who were in that first batch, I gave them five years of the membership for free. I'm still in touch with them. They support in other ways. And I know exactly who bought it and I'm still in touch with them. So I know that I've been forgiven and I gave them the same amount that they paid in value for other stuff. But yeah, just this ambition and the mispricing. Maybe if it had been more expensive, I could have hired some help and it would have been done, but I was editing everything and writing everything myself. And that was just stupid anyway. <laughs> well, thank you for being honest. And there's a quote that, or a methodology or a mindset often that you have in business that I've been told, not from the greatest of sources, but I still will take the advice, which is ready, fire, aim, which is you sometimes just need to go out there to test these things, to put it out there. And then once you've done it, there's always ways you can make it right with people, whether it's going to be giving them a refund or finding other ways to fulfill on the promise, even if it wasn't, but you can't know until you do it. And so I love your story because you're taking chances. And one of the things I talk about when it comes to selling with love is if you're coming from a place of love, you have to take responsibility and you have to go and take chances. Not everything's a hundred percent, but knowing that you have faith, that you have their best intention in mind and that you're you're going to make it right on the people allows you to continue doing business, continue to grow. And it sounds like you're operating from that place exactly, which is why I'm really excited about you sharing that story and being able to come here and tell us a bit more about your journey as a business. And I'd love to know from where you stand now, like what are the exciting things that you have in your pocket? What are the things that we could look up for? And you know, what makes you still excited about running Teledipity the way you do? I'm in an important inflection point. The app is growing. I'm redoing the design and the brand of the page that should be out sometime in 2022, early 2022. I'm launching a speaker series of live masterclasses for everybody who's on premium. I have a list of creators I know, you included, who are Teledipity users and have something to teach. So I'm going to get them on and just do live webinars to add value to the membership. And I'm about to launch a numerology certification for people who don't necessarily want to be numerologists, but want to apply it to another field like branding or data analytics or marketing or content targeting, just anything where numerology might add value. I'm getting that course ready and will launch in December. Amazing. Andrew, I just want to say thank you for your time coming on the show, sharing a bit of your journey. The biggest things I want people to take away from here is just as you're going to be guided through life, there are going to be some turns and twists that you're going to be going through, but you'll be surprised on how it all fits together to what your true destination is about to become. In the case of Andrew here, he had some of these job opportunities that started giving him some of the curiosities as well as some of the basic skill sets to allow him to be ready for the venture that he's building on now. If there's something that seems to speak to your soul, that seems to align with the impact you want to make, get curious curious about it. You can dive into any field as a maven because we have access to information like we've never had before. The only question is, are you excited enough to go dig deeper? And are you willing to put in the work to develop that expertise? Not that you should use that as an excuse not to get started, but start on something. You can develop your knowledge, you can start the business. And if you want to have more guidance as to what might be the best flow for you in your moment right now, if you go to teledipity.com, again, in the show notes, you'll see there's a direct link for you to set up an account to get the free reading. And you can maybe 
maybe know what year you're in and what kind of flows are going to come into your life. I would encourage everyone as well. If they go into the premium experience, you'll get to actually support Andrew and get so much more value from the content that he publishes on a monthly basis. What I like as well towards the end of this is that as you go into business, it's not all sunshines and rainbows. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be launches, there's going to be fails, there's going to be things that just don't go as expected. But you know, the person who never gives up ends up winning. And it sounds like Andrew here has been on a great journey figuring things out, seeing that some of them are working, some of them are not, and you get closer and closer to what is the way that you should be doing it. And in the process, one of the key things we talked about is keep close to the customers. Not only should you always be keeping great conversations with them so you can learn more about what the market wants, but when your failures do happen, know that people are forgiving when they know you've tried your best and they know that you're going to make it right on them. And I think these are principles that you can apply in the way you sell and in the way that you operate your business. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this, your journey. Thank you again for your application. I'm a big user and I encourage everybody else to go and get your own reading again in the show notes. You can grab it there and best of luck on your upcoming launch and your current rebranding. Thank you, Jason. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.